Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball Podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. And today, I am joined by Amazon bestselling author and fighter pilot and instructor, Dom Tyke. Dom brings his background as a fighter pilot to guide business owners, students, athletes, and pilots with afterburner techniques to ensure mission complete. So this is going to be an interesting interview. So we're going to be talking to him about his experience and how he incorporates his experience and to helping others. So Dom, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, Curtis, thank you very much for having me. And I, I, that was a little bit overkill on the old introduction, but I appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate you. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So our biggest push in the last couple of years is to give back. You know, we've, we've been so blessed in life and, and everything, you know, so we, we started this company that's been kind of a little bit of a journey in itself called single seat mindset. And uh, the genesis of that was we found that, you know, goal oriented individuals get frustrated when there's rigid structures or slow processes, or, you know, there's unnecessary protocols that are getting in their way with no deliverable outcome. And what we noticed was as we started to evolve is, you know, fighter pilots like myself and the group uh, that I'm working with, we're trained uh, in very high speed, 800 miles per hour type situations to make quick decision-making skills. And we've, we've noticed that those are very useful in high performance professions or they're useful for goal setters, for achievement oriented people. And so what I did was I created the largest online group of fighter pilots to guide action takers with short, impactful steps uh, to avoid failure and, and control their own road to success. So that's kind of the, the, the nutshell of, of, of what we're doing right now, how we're guiding people to be the heroes in their own story. Well, tell us about how you became a fighter pilot. What made you want to join? Just give us your journey oh, from becoming a fighter pilot and then now an instructor. <laughs> oh man, it's been such a cool journey. I think uh, like anything that you do big in life goes kind of without saying that there's, there's usually a ton of people behind you, right? If you look at any pro basketball player or, you know, athlete or astronaut or anybody that's done big time stuff, what you don't see are, are the hordes of people behind them helping them out, right? Cause it's kind of a team effort. So when I grew up, we were on final approach for a military base and there's a bunch of smaller airfields around us and the even the farmers they flew ultralight aircraft and so i just i was just hooked on airplanes at a young age i built a little fighter jet at seven on the kitchen table for my seventh birthday with my dad my uncle brought me to a when i was 12 years old he was an alaskan airlines employee and i got to stand on the flight deck of a of a large airliner while they did engine runs fast forward when i'm in college I am taking flight lessons. So I had taken the next steps to do that. And I'm taking civilian flight lessons. I'm learning. I'm thinking that I'm going to be an airline pilot. 
And one of my professors in college, he, he was a previous a 10 fighter pilot and his call sign was Harley. Cause his last name was Davidson. So he was, and he was a pretty cool guy. And I just remember one day I, I asked him, I said, Hey, you know, I don't know anybody. My dad's not a fighter pilot. I don't, I don't know anybody, you know, super, you know, important. Like I don't know any senators and, and that's what it takes to be a fighter pilot. And he looks at me and he says, hell kid, I did it. You can do it. And that was kind of a defining moment in my life that opened a door, you know, that a lot of times, and my, my point being a lot of times we undervalue, or you don't know the impact that you have on the people in your own lives or in your own life that are giving you that open door and saying, Hey, just give it a shot. Cause up to that point, nobody had really given me permission to even try. Cause I didn't know. And he told me, give it a shot, go, you know, take the reins and, and, and give it a shot, apply to officer training school. And then, you know, the, the rest is history. I went to officer training school. I competed in pilot training for a fighter pilot slot. I got one. And uh, after a couple of deployments around the world, as well as over 30 temporary duty assignments throughout the world, I ended up here back kind of in my roots, which is the, uh, the schoolhouse for teaching young fighter pilots, how to, how to fly fighter jets. And it has just been such a, an afterburner, just rocket ship. I, I just love lighting myself on fire every day and flying fighter jets. It's such a great, great job. If you even want to call it that. So let's talk about what makes a single mindset so unique. Yeah. So I kind of, uh, kind of hit on it a little bit earlier, right? So the, the single seat mindset, I think that, you know, if you watch Top Gun and you talk to fighter pilots, there's this, you know, if you run into somebody that maybe is a little bit cocky or arrogant and has an edge to them, it can kind of turn you off a little bit. But I would like to say that most fighter pilots are not that way. Most are pretty humble and approachable. I wish I could say that I was always that guy throughout my career. If I did say that, I'd be, I'd be lying. I, I haven't been the best version that I could be. But as I grow older, I realize that it's, it's not necessarily about me anymore. It's about these next guys learning to fly and, and kind of passing the torch off to them. So with the single seat mindset, um, the jets that we fly are single seat fighter jets. So we, we train these young dudes that are in their you know young 20s to strap this jet engine with an aircraft you know, to their back and take off and make decisions in their own cockpit. Now that does not mean that they are uh, making decisions without using teamwork. It couldn't be further from the truth. So the single seat mindset, the idea behind that is it, you know, you're, you're in charge of your aircraft. You're in charge of your decisions. You have to make the right decisions at the right time. However, the bigger mindset is we can only win. We can only have mission completion with a team effort. And so kind of getting back to, what we talked about before, um, you know, as, as you start to climb the ropes and become more successful, like I had talked about, you know, the athletes that are successful, they have people behind them that have helped them, you know, they have a team and that's, that's, we employ uh, as a team. So very rarely will we fly a fighter jet just by ourselves. You know, just I'll just take an aircraft up and go fly it by myself. Uh, Typically, I'll fly with at least one other person, if not up to four other airplanes. And then, depending on how complex the tactical mission is that we're doing, it could be eight, 12. I've done mission commander, I've been the 
lead mission commander on stuff where there's more than 100 aircraft involved. So it is a team effort. Everybody has something that they bring to the table. And like I said, unfortunately, there's been some hard learning lessons on my part. But as I get older, I realize how much other people how, you know, can, can really help your, your mission, especially if, if you truly care for them and, and, and ask them how they can help out. People always want to help. So I'm bringing that out of people. So the single seat mindset is just a really powerful, uh, it's, a, it's a trained individual that's gone through a lot of hoops, that's uh, been through the school of hard knocks, and now they are a single seat jet fighter pilot. And the ones that are really good are the ones that are humble and approachable, and they bring a lot to the table. Well, I know as a fighter pilot and all of your experience and the stuff that you went through in your life, you got a lot of stories. So tell us about a story that you tell that makes your audience laugh. Oh, man. A laugh. I have so many of those. Uh, the the one that comes to mind, if I'm gonna, <laughs> it's kind of an embarrassing story. I you know a lot of a lot of people ask where I get my my call sign slice. You'll find in in tight knit groups that a lot of times, you know, you end up naming the folks that you're around, right? So maybe you even had kind of a a, a nickname growing up, you know, with your friends, whether that's Bubba or, you know, I had, uh, my dad had little nicknames for me. And it's just, as you, as you get in a tight knit group, people tend to, you know, name people. And my call sign that I eventually got was slice. And that wasn't something that I chose. Uh, it was something that happened after, you know, most people are familiar with again, top gun and dog fighting and I was, I was doing one of those types of flights when I was a young um, fighter pilot. And, uh, it's, it's kind of funny. It's kind of not because the, the kind of not funny part of it is that during the fight, I broke a training rule that's supposed to keep us safe. And I was pointing at the other aircraft too long. And the goal was to try to kill the simulated enemy aircraft first, right? So I, I want to do well, I want to win. I'm pointing at him too long. And what ends up happening is that I almost, uh, in real life, I almost crash my airplane into the other aircraft as we're, as we're doing this fight, uh, this dog fight. And so the, that's kind of the scary part of it. So we, we brought it back. We brought the jets back home and we landed and we, you know, debriefed and looked at what happened. Well, fighter pods have a, a naming ceremony and <laughs> there's a little bit more to it than just, just that, but essentially I ended up getting a call sign slice because um, they said I tried to slice my instructor in half. But the other piece of that was I was in the a Japanese, it was a Japanese assignment and we were in the squadron called the Samurai. So it was kind of the sword. You know, I tried to slice my instructor in half and, you know, the, the Samurai ninja sword or, or whatever, whatever you'd want to call it. Uh, and so that, that is something that I appreciated getting. I've, I've met some guys that have gotten some far worse call signs than slice, but now I can laugh about it. You know, that the, uh, the scary experience is over. So tell us about your book series, single seat wisdom. Talk about that and just tell listeners what they can expect when they read it. Yeah. So that has been, um, I think, you know, probably one of our, one of the most impactful things that I've been lucky to be a part of in my entire life. And it started out with, you know, a lot of the younger fighter pilots were struggling uh, 
when COVID kicked off because fighter pilots, we were pretty tight knit. We, we pass a lot of lessons learned, you know, before we fly, when we fly, and then specifically when we debrief, a lot of those lessons learned come out and, you know, even the young students, when they're sitting around there, they're sitting in their student lounge and they're passing stories around about, you know, what they learned that day. And during COVID there, there was a lot of that crosstalk that was uh, minimized due to the different schedules we were on the masking protocol and, and what have you. And so I started sending the students a uh, two to three minute message via email once a week and they liked it. And most of the messages were stories about myself where I had failed and how I'd pick myself back up and then gave them a little snippet of like, Hey, you can avoid this failure. Or if you do fail like me, here's how you get back on your feet and get back on the horse. Well, that quickly leveraged into a, an online blog. And then it became kind of cumbersome to manually send this out every week to multiple classes. So I, I put it online at singleseatmindset.com. And after several iterations, we, we settled on the this concept of the competent wingman. And so it's just a, it's a free program that gives very short little snippets of information once a week. And the reason I say that is not to sell that program, right? Cause I don't make any money from it, but that idea grew into me asking other fighter pilots that, you know, were good storytellers that had a story or maybe even didn't know that they wanted to tell their story. I said, Hey, when you retire, what's going to happen to your story? You know, you're going to fly for the airlines or you're going to start your own business or, or just retire and, and fade off into history, right? Do you want to capture your story? And that's where, you know, the single seat mindset.com company kind of grew from like helping comp, you know, growing competent wingmen because we run that here at the fighter base to, wow, this stuff is helping. I started getting emails from, from all walks of life, athletes, business owners, entrepreneurs, airline pilot students, just a vast array of people are saying, this is some good stuff. And so we decided to, um, I had already published a couple of books before this. So this wasn't kind of a new walk, but I, uh, I asked a bunch of my friends, 189 of them to be specific, if they wanted to write a chapter in a single seat wisdom and uh, 19, well, 20 of them said yes, one of them fell out. So I ended up writing a chapter myself, but we captured 20 individual chapters uh, in this book called Single Seat Wisdom. And it is, they're short, um, impactful stories that are varying and they're written by a different fighter pilot. Every single chapter is written by a different person. And at the end, it's summed up with that person's wisdom from a fighter pilot's perspective. And the cool part about this is earlier this year, I didn't really know where the book was going, but it was going so well that I asked, you know, a bunch of other people and we got 20 more fighter pilots and we're getting ready to publish volume two of that book. And then today I was talking to another guy and so we've already started volume three. So we're capturing stories from guys that have years of, of life wisdom from the advantage of a single seat fighter pilot. And we're putting them in book form. We, we have them in digital ebook form. We're getting ready to record them. So we have audible versions, but it's been such a cool experience to be part of all of these fighter pilots lives from across the board. And we, this next book, volume two actually has an astronaut that was a fight. He started out as a fighter pilot, became a test pilot, and then eventually became an astronaut. So we, we even have an astronaut that wrote a story in one of these books. So you can, you can see kind of his 
perspective on life. So that's the single seat wisdom kind of genesis and, and story in a nutshell. Well, wh- why do you feel like people would use the knowledge of a fi- fighter pilot in uh, other walks of their lives? You know, Curse, that's a great question. I think, uh, I think we, you know, a lot of people have asked like, hey, why, why would I listen to a fighter pilot? Well, um, I kind of hinted at it. You know, fighter pilots are, um, before you even get to our school where we train you know, young guys how to fly fighter jets, they go through, they've gone through college, they've gone through a aviation screening program, they've gone through undergraduate fighter or the undergraduate pilot training, which leads them into fighter lead on training, which leads them into introduction to fighter fundamentals. So these, these guys have been through a ton of training. It's very rigorous, less than 10% and in my case, much less than 10% of the class will get selected to fly fighters. So they're, they're the top, usually pretty peak performers in college. And then, then they're the top of their aviation graduation classes, and then they go on and they eventually get picked. So you're getting, you're getting a person that, uh, usually is like an athlete or a pretty peak performer that is now trained in a very rigorous environment. That's used to interacting with all sorts of different types of people, that makes decisions at very fast speed uh, that is, has a very analytical way of, of looking at a tactical situation and putting things in order, right? So, Hey, if we're going to take down a problem, this is kind of the path that we need to take. And so I say all of that because, um, I own, I've owned several businesses. I just own two now single seat mindset is one of them. And my fighter pilot skills have helped immensely for me to see the problem, right? Which is I want to build this business and then to kind of visualize all the different steps. And then because of my fighter pilot training and the way that we plan missions, I can use a lot of those same concepts and leverage them into business. You know, I do a lot of mountain biking and I like to play golf and there's, there's, it's a mindset that really helps if you're a peak performer. Now, if you are a person that has a victim mindset and you want to sit on the couch and mope about your life and not take any action, our, our stuff is probably going to turn you off because we are very geared to inspire people. So somebody that needs some inspiration that can kind of give them a little bit of jet fuel to get going or somebody that is like myself, where I'm just taking action, but I need a little bit more guidance. And that's, that's, who we really help. That's kind of our, 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 our niche, if you will. So if you're a person that, you know, is just happy, you know, looking at your cell phone and, you know, just having your little group of friends and, and you don't really want to make waves, um, you know, our, our books and stuff like that, they, they may not be for you. I don't know. You know, people can give them a, give them a try, but it's really for the people that are looking to do something more with their life. And, and they, maybe don't have access to a coach or a guide and that's us. And maybe there are people that, Hey, I want to be a hero in my own life. And I want to, you know, I want to do things. I want to, I want to go places and build businesses or be an athlete or, or whatever. And, and we can help you with that. We can guide you with short, impactful steps because a lot of times, uh, you know, when you're starting out, you don't have a whole lot of time to figure that out on your own. Well, when you started out as a wannabe, what are the top five tips that you wish you knew then that you might know now? Yeah. So I would even, I'd, I'd even maybe break it down. Yeah. Well, we can, we can, we can break it down into five. 
I was thinking we could probably could distill it down into three, maybe with just a couple of different things at the end. But the the big three would be, you know, when you have the mindset and and you have this vision or you, you want to go somewhere in your life, you need to you need to take that mindset as this the first step and you need to give yourself some constraints, right? So you don't want to be too free, right? If I'm if I decide not to buckle up my seatbelt in the F-16 and I take off and I end up having to eject out of the aircraft, I'm going to be really free. I'm going to be free fallen like Tom Petty sings about, and then I'm going to hit the earth and I'm going to die. So we want to have some restraints and we want to have some guideposts on, you know, the left, right, you know, how far are we going to go off track? So that mindset is important because as if you have that mindset, you need to put some stuff down on paper. You need to define and stick to a schedule. You need to read, you need to you need to write down what what goal do you want to achieve. And once you do that, that kind of gives you your framework of of where you're going and how, and how you're going to get there, right? So that's kind of step number one is I would say the mindset. The second piece is uh, you need a guide or a coach. And you may not know who to ask first, but you just need to start asking people. You need to start talking to people. You need to... Um, you need to have somebody, you need to start rolling your ideas off of people and you'll eventually find somebody that can guide or coach you where you need to go during that time. So that you know, you've done your mindset thing, you've written things down. The second piece is get a guide or a coach. And that's part of the teamwork, right? You need to ask people that have maybe walked the path or the road that you've gone on before um, and, or that can kind of point you in the, dire the right direction. Realize as you take that next step and you're asking those questions, there's going to be a lot of naysayers, especially people that have not gone, you know, down the path that you've gone specifically in my case, the people that told me that I wouldn't be, or couldn't be a fighter pilot when I was younger, um, I started to see a trend and none of those people were fighter pilots. The guys that told me to be a fighter pilot and to take that next step and to get after it were all fighter pilots. So when you're looking for a guide or a coach, just be careful that you may be dissuaded um, from that first step, which is your mindset that kind of led you to write your goals down and to, to get moving. So then now you found your coach or your guide and, and, and you have your mindset or your, your plan in place and you need to start taking action. And that is the piece that is probably the most daunting is the action piece. Um, that third step can be a lot because it's you, you, you as the person, you're the hero in that story that you've kind of built the framework for, and you need to start taking, what do they say? A, a journey of 5,000 steps or 5,000 miles starts with the first step or something along those lines. And, and the point being you need to start. Okay. And I would say those are like the big three things is that mindset, like framing what you want to do, getting a coach or a guide, and then taking action with a couple of things just to note at the end, which is uh, you're going to fail. In fact, I think that I haven't, I haven't looked this up in a long time, but it's, it's less than 50% of the shots that Michael Jordan took on the basketball court, he missed. And so if if you look at a guy who is arguably the best basketball player or one of the best basketball players in history, and he's missing 50% of the time, and you start out thinking that you're just going to win and have these huge wins all the time, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. And I'm not saying to count on failure. I'm just saying that failure is the event that happens while you are progressing towards 
your success point, but don't let failure define you as a person. That's just a little hiccup, right? You got to pick yourself back up, you know, as they always say, put yourself back on the horse and get going again. So yeah, those would be kind of the big, the big kind of framework is as you, as you take your mindset and you, you chart your course, the second piece is getting a guide or a coach, realizing that people may dissuade you away from your own goals. And then the last piece is to start taking action. And as you take action, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have failures, but that's not you. Those are just things that are happening. So don't let those define you keep pressing on and you'll, you'll find that you may not end up at the exact goal that you define for yourself, but you're going to be further ahead than if you did nothing. Well, let's talk about the process of becoming a fighter pilot and also discuss how it has helped you in your life as far as becoming a business owner, husband, Catholic Christian, all that good stuff, all the positive things in your life. Yeah. So the, uh, the path to become a fighter pilot is long. It's arduous. There's a lot of, a lot of prerequisite things that have to fall into place you know, there's, there's your background in, you know, probably middle school all the way through high school. There's your GPA, there's, you know, your extracurricular activities, there's, you know, volunteering and, and that's like the start. And so if you want to be a specifically a, an air force fighter pilot, and it's very similar if you want to be a Navy or Marine fighter pilot in the United States air force is that you have to get into a, one of the three commissioning sources, which is officer training school. ROTC or an, an academy. Okay. So one of those three programs will allow you to become an officer in the air force, but in order to do that, and even in order to apply, you have to have, or in order to be an air force officer or an officer in the Marines or Navy to be a fighter pilot, you have to have a four-year degree. So you have to have an undergraduate degree. Um, that's just another hurdle. Now, if you go to a service academy, you're going to get a four-year degree from the service academy. In my case, I had already gone through college. I was a civilian instructor pilot. I had my commercial pilot's license and all that stuff. So I'd kind of gone down a different route, but I applied through officer training school and that commissioning source allows you to get a pilot slot when you commission. So you, you know that you're going to pilot training you have to do well enough to not get kicked out of the program. Um, so it's not a guarantee that you're gonna be a pilot, but um, if you put your time and effort in, you'll, you'll make it. And then ROTC is kind of a mixture of the two. You basically go to a four-year college and while you're there, you do, you have some military studies and you, you basically go through the boot camp, if you will. And then when you graduate, you become an officer. So that, those are the kind of the first steps is kind of having a, a background that, that lends itself to somebody that's fairly driven doing pretty well in college, becoming an officer, and then you go to pilot training and pilot training has a bunch of different steps. You know, there's flight screening and then there's, there's a couple of different aircraft that you'll fly. And at some point you will basically get tracked down the fighter jet track. And from there it kind of takes off no pun intended. So that's kind of the, the path to become a fighter pilot. It's a little bit nebulous there are different ways you can you can get to the finish line and uh did that kind of answer your question curtis you had i think you had another thing on top of that but that's that's the how you like that's the path i'm right. become a fighter pilot but how, how how has that process helped you in your life as far as becoming like a husband a business owner and a catholic okay. christian and all yep. of the positive things in your life 
So I think the biggest thing, um, Curtis, is that I'm, I used to be really impatient. And if you can imagine, that was years of processes to become a fighter pilot. And I think what it, what it really taught me was, you know, I don't say it always, but usually the really good things in life are the ones that take some time. They take some planning. They take some, some effort, discipline, you know, some blood, sweat, and tears. And so that whole process made me fairly patient. I mean, even getting a four-year degree, it just takes, it takes some time and effort and kind of going through that process. So I'd say that patience, because I was so impatient with everything, I just wanted to do things fast because I wanted to put them behind me so that I could do what I really wanted to do. The problem with that is when I became a fighter pilot, I had been doing that for so many years that I was just, I was stuck in what I call the achievement hamster wheel where I would achieve something and then I'd want to, I'd want to do the next thing. So I became a flight lead in the F-16 and then I wanted to be an instructor pilot. And then I became an instructor pilot and I just, I just wanted to do the next thing. And it led to this hamster wheel of achievements because I hadn't really defined what success meant. Uh, and why that's important is that patience I finally learned. And my kids actually taught that to me because you can't rush kids growing up. They grow up one day at a, a time. And so that really, uh, you know, put the speed brakes out uh, to use a, a fighter pilot term. It kind of slowed me down. And it, uh, you know, I had about four or five years ago, I had a really big, uh, like mental breakdown where I just kind of I lost my way because I had done pretty much all of the professional things that I want to do in my life, but I had neglected so many other things that I needed to be focusing on. And even though it was painful, even though it took me, you know, months and months, I'm just under a year to get back on my feet. It was one of the best things that happened to me because it broke me down and it kind of reminded me what's important in life. And about two years ago, um, I essentially got a, I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit, something, but I got reinvigorated and I had what, you know, a lot of people would call like a reversion to Christianity and to Catholicism. And I think that's probably one of the biggest turning points in my life is when I shifted from all of the material trappings of the world to helping others and to putting my sights on something bigger than this world. And that was, you know, I, I believe that there is an afterlife, we call it heaven. And I believe that it's a very noble and manly thing to do, uh, to lead your family, to lead your wife, your children. And, you know, those that you're talking to, those that you're interacting with, you know, the books you write, like everything you do, how you live your life is pulling people closer to God because it is, it's, it's peaceful, it's loving, it's charitable, it's the right thing to do. And that really changed my life. And that, that has given a lot of jet fuel to our uh, business, single seat mindset, because it really puts us in the, the right frame of, of mind. Uh, it gives us the right mindset. And um, with that business specifically, we give all the money away. Mostly I did that because I have other businesses, I have other income, but even more importantly, because I'm so attached to material trappings and material possessions, giving it away just kind of helped me release and and man it's it's freeing right it's it's i don't have to worry about it like the money that comes in just we're like a conduit for the money the money comes in we give it to a children's cancer foundation uh and that has been just so powerful and it gives us a lot of purpose 
So I know you talked about you got a couple more books coming out in your series. Do you have any other current upcoming projects that you're working on that listeners need to know about? Yeah. So I would say, you know, the, the single seat wisdom series of books, it can be, I've been given feedback from all age groups, but I'd say the age group that it, it guides and, and provides inspiration for the most is probably 16 to 29 years old. Okay. So, you know, but like I said, even, even people outside of that age group have read it. The other projects we're working on is we're getting ready to publish volume two here very shortly within the next couple of months and at the, uh, in, on veterans day of November 11th, 2022. And we're going to continue writing the volume volumes of single seat wisdom. The other ones that are kind of have been kind of fun on, you know, next year and on July 4th, 2023, we're going to publish the red, white, and blue series coloring books. And it's a coloring book series of three books. And they are the red jets are the, the hostile aircraft. The white jets are the neutral aircraft overseas. And then the blue jets are the, the U S fighter jets and they're, they're fighter fighter jet books. I've been working with a designer pretty intensively to get those set up. So we have the red, white, and blue series coloring books for, for all ages, but very specifically for this, for the children's cancer foundation that we support, you know, those kids really love a lot of this type of inspiring, uh, you know, jets and stuff like that. And then the other one that we just recently started, um, which we're writing right now, we haven't, we haven't figured out the name of the book yet, but it's for the eight-year-old to 16-year-old age group. And it's essentially, um, for lack of better term, it's like the the single seat flight plan for for that age group, right? That's so um, impactful in in life, right? When you're eight, from eight years old to 16 years old, you can do a lot of things to jack up your future. And so, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to write a book. I have several other fighter pilots that have joined with me to co-author the book. And so it's not just written by me and we're excited to get that one published in 2023 as well to help uh, a little bit younger generation. So think teenager, you know, middle school to probably maybe a little younger than middle school to end up into, you know, ninth or 10th grade type of age group. But throw out your contact information, website, social media links. How can we get in touch with you and keep up with the wonderful things that you're doing? <laughs> yeah. So I would say if you are somebody that wants to go somewhere in life and you maybe you're on the wrong vector, you need a little bit of, of guidance and you want, you want it all in one place. And right now we're, we're just today, we're now 41 fighter pilots strong with a collective uh, experience of over 700 years of fighter pilot experience that, that helps you know, action-driven people and short, impactful steps. And you can find everything. The landing pad is singleseatmindset.com. It's it's all in one place. The social media links are on there. Uh, there's links for the books. There's links for the free programs, singleseatmindset.com. And the, the one thing that's not going to be, if you're listening to this still, for your listeners, Curtis, there's a hidden link. So if you go to singleseatmindset.com forward slash podcast gift, all one word, all lowercase, singleseatmindset.com forward slash podcast gift. They're only going to find it here in the uh, the audio portion of this interview. Um, if you throw your, your email in there and that you heard me on this podcast, the first three people that do that will get a signed copy of our single seat wisdom book and I'll send it to them. There's no nothing attached there. It's just our way of giving back. But singleseatmindset.com, that's the landing pad uh, to find us for 
for everything. It's all right there. Great. So ladies and gentlemen, make sure you do it, do it quick because you want to be in the top three. So close us out with some final thoughts, maybe something that I didn't touch on that you would like to touch on or just any final thoughts you have for the listeners. Yeah, I would say there's this idea that uh, once you do define success and you and you find yourself there and you are quote unquote successful, um, that can cause some issues in your life because it's very me centered. I I became successful. It's me, right? And the next step after that, that's even more powerful and and more important and will prevent you from falling apart is what significance does that give you? So yes, you're successful, but there needs to be some significance behind that. So I would empower your listeners to root their significance in, in my case. And, and I've tried some other roots. It does, it doesn't work. And I always come back to Christianity and rooting myself in Christian spirituality because, you know, Jesus was, was kind, but he did have some, some, you know, rules that, that really help you. Like we talked about before, you know, put on your seatbelt because, you eject out of the airplane, you're going to be free, but you you'll, you're going to die. So Christian spirituality has really given me some, some bumpers or some, some side guardrails to kind of keep my life going in the right direction. So that would be the thing that I would say is, is once you do get to that point, make sure that you are making a significance to the other people in your life. Cause you just never know who you're going to impact. And it's going to be even more powerful if you are, if you root that in you know, your Christian spirituality of giving back and kindness and respect and, and helping and guiding other people. Um, and I think it was Tony Robbins that said something along the lines of when you learn to give, you learn to live. So that'd be my final thought. Ladies and gentlemen, singleseatmindset.com. Be sure to check it out and also try to be in the top three for that podcast gift. Be sure to follow, rate, review, Share this episode to any and everybody who you think that will benefit from the single seat mindset. And Mr. Tyke, or AKA Slice, thank you so much for joining me today. (laughs) Thank you, Curtis. I had a lot of fun. I appreciate you uh, letting me be on your show. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.